Our sermon text on this Epiphany Sunday is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I've entitled this sermon, The Journey, because the Epiphany story is a journey story. It's a story with a start and an end. It's a story with treacherous travel in between. It's a story with unexpected turns and twists. It's a journey story. A story marked by surprises and punctuated by astonishment. And I think this journey story maps onto PPAC Reform's journey story as a church, too. And I think this story is especially illuminating and and can especially fill us with hope as we near my departure and as you anticipate the looming interim period. May this epiphany journey story Reorient your heart and recalibrate your spirit this morning. I pray that this story may bring you great hope and deep peace, even as you near uncertain terrain ahead. Friends, hear the word of the Lord from the book that we love. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Wise men came from the east to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for as it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come forth for me a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring word to me, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a journey story. A journey story. In 1758, the Bedminster Protestant Reformed Dutch Church was established in the settlement of Bedminster. As neighboring settlements began to sprout up and stabilize, a good number of the Bedminster Reformed congregation rode their horse and buggies through rain, snow, and ice to worship on Sunday morning from Peapack and Gladstone. 
1840, a new minister was installed at Bedminster Reformed, Reverend George Schneck. And Reverend Schneck, noticing the large faction of the congregation that traveled in from Peapack and Gladstone, proposed to his consistory, the Bedminster Reformed consistory, that a separate Reformed church be established in Peapack. In 1844, Reverend Schneck convinced his consistory to allow him to provide worship services for this large contingent of his congregation that lived in Peapack. So, in 1844, the Bedminster Reformed consistory leased a plot of land from Mr. Scoble Luce for 75 years at $10 per year. And they erected the lecture room, a small one-room structure that would be used as a makeshift sanctuary for Reverend Schneck and the PPAC residing members of the Bedminster Reformed Church. For four years, Reverend Schneck led worship services for the PPACians of Bedminster Reformed Church in the lecture room. Until on October 31st of 1848, the PPAC contingent of the Bedminster Protestant Reformed Dutch Church decided to establish itself as a separate congregation. They decided to charter the PPAC Protestant Reformed Dutch Church. There were 38 charter members at that charter establishment. The new congregation quickly assembled its first consistory, and the consistory voted unanimously to get to work on a church building. On July 10th, 1849, the cornerstone of the church was laid. The Reverend William Anderson was called straight out of seminary to be the first installed pastor of the Peapack Protestant Reformed Dutch Church. He was ordained and installed on September 25th, 1849. From September through December of 1849, Reverend William Anderson held worship services in the lecture room while the church building was being constructed. On January 15, 1850, the church building was constructed and dedicated. The total cost of construction was, get this, $4,100. In May of 1856, Reverend Anderson received a call to the Reformed Church of Fairview, Illinois. During his pastorate, 101 members were added to our membership. In 1857, the consistory called Reverend Henry P. Thompson to be the second minister of PPAC Reformed Church. Under Reverend Thompson's leadership, the church continued to flourish and membership exploded. By the early 1870s, each Sunday morning worship service was standing room only. So on February 9, 1872, the consistory voted to enlarge the church building. On December 5th, 1872, just 10 months later, the addition was complete, and the church was reopened and rededicated. The Peapack Protestant Reformed Dutch Church finally had ample space for its thriving and growing congregation. But then disaster struck. Just over a year after the addition of the church was complete, On Sunday, January 12th, 1873, at 3.30 in the morning, the church was discovered to be on fire by two young men. They gave alarm, but nothing could be done. An overheated smoke pipe too near a piece of timber caused the fire. 
The congregation arrived for worship that Sunday morning, January 12, 1873, to their newly renovated church ablaze. What were they going to do? Without a sanctuary and dumbstruck with shock, they assembled in the lecture room. With his hands shaking and heart quaking, Reverend Henry P. Thompson scrapped the sermon he had prepared and instead opened his Bible to Deuteronomy 31.6. The words Moses speaks to the Israelites as he nears his own death and as his people are on the precipice of the promised land. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. And God was faithful. The congregation held a meeting that following Wednesday, January 15th, and decided to rebuild the church again at once. The new cornerstone was laid six months later on June 19, 1873, and the complete restructuring of the church was completed and dedicated on January 8, 1874, almost exactly a year after the fire. But rebuilding the church from ash wasn't cheap. The building project cost the church $14,000, over three times the cost of the church's original construction in 1850. And in that same year, the church's beloved pastor of 17 years, Reverend Henry P. Thompson, was forced to resign due to ill health. The entire congregation was shaken, deep in debt, without a pastor. What was going to happen? God was faithful. During this time of deep uncertainty and high anxiety, a group of women from the church gathered together and formed what they called the Ladies' Aid Society. The stated purpose of the group, according to their bylaws, was to, quote, assist in removing the church's debt. And that's exactly what they did. They held holiday bazaars and clam chowder socials and chicken dinners and Easter lunches and Fourth of July fairs and apron sales. Slowly but surely, they helped the church chip away at its seemingly insurmountable debt. And at the same time, the consistory prayerfully extended a call to Reverend Charles T. Anderson, who provided comforting, healing, and responsible leadership after the excruciating loss of Reverend Henry P. Thompson. God was faithful. I could go on and on. But the main theme of PPAC Reform's journey as a church is simply God was faithful. I'm going to continue to go on and on. So here's here's a little bit more of our history. In 1913, Reverend T.M. Simonton proposed a plan to add Fellowship Hall onto the sanctuary. The consistory approved it. But in that same year, Reverend T.M. Simonton received a call to the Presbyterian Church of Chester, Chester, New York, and left. But God was faithful. Reverend Fred Bader was installed in 1915 and saw the Fellowship Hall project through to completion. But then Reverend Bader volunteered to be a chaplain in World War I, and the church was without a pastor. But God was faithful. The Gladstone Methodist minister agreed to serve both the Methodist Church and PPAC Reformed Church during Reverend Bader's absence. Reverend Bader then returns from his World War I tour in 1920, and shortly after he returns, he unexpectedly dies. But God was faithful. 
1920, the consistory prayerfully called Reverend Julius Prochnow to be its pastor. And Reverend Prochnow tended to the shocked hearts of the congregation and led the church in paying off its outstanding debts for the Fellowship Hall project. In 1929, lightning struck the chapel. The church rallied. God was faithful. When the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor in December of 1941, the entire country was shaken. But fueled by God's faithful presence, PRC responded with resilience and strength. An emergency shelf was stocked at the church. An emergency shelf, enough food to feed 30 people for three days in case of a major national emergency. In April of 1942, the church signed an agreement with Red Cross offering to help refugees in case of emergency. God was faithful. In 1972, a fire broke out in the kitchen and quickly spread and singed the entirety of Fellowship Hall. The church rallied. The Fellowship Hall and kitchen were restored in less than a year. God was faithful. In 1983, under the leadership of Reverend Paul Walther, the church experienced explosive growth. There were 100 children enrolled in Sunday school at the time, and the Sunday school teachers were running out of room. So the consistory prayed and took a step of faith by initiating a $300,000 building project to construct an education wing. And despite having to change contractors, and get permission to move 43 graves in the cemetery, the work was completed two years later. God was faithful. And remember 2020? Remember 2020? Our financial outlook as a church didn't look very promising. We'd only raised $60,000 in total giving in 2019, and then only three months into 2020, COVID shuts the world down. But what happened? God was faithful. And God's faithfulness fueled our missional creativity and congregational generosity. The pop-up food pantry was established and continues to operate as the PG food pantry. We worshiped and studied the Bible continuously online, then in person when we could gather again. We modeled Christ's sacrificial generosity. In 2019, we raised $60,000 in congregational giving. This past year, we raised nearly $100,000 in congregational giving. Ministries like Vacation Bible School and Bible Studies and Book Studies have been resurrected. New teams and committees have been launched. New events and initiatives have been hosted. The Community Christmas Dinner this Christmas gave, seven, gave out 75 meals to people in our congregation and community. All of this has been fueled by the faithfulness of God. God was faithful. God is faithful. God will be faithful. Through 175 years and thousands of worship services and at least 10 major building projects and four parsonages and 20 installed ministers, and countless congregants through fires and lightning strikes and wars and pandemics, through countless twists and turns, through innumerable surprises, the story of PPAC Reform's journey is simple. God was, God is, and God will be faithful. When Jesus' star rose 
the wise men or the magi or the three kings began a journey. Some scholars think the journey could have taken them up to three years. I love the way that the Jesus storybook translation captures their lengthy journey, filled with twists and turns. Far away in the east, three clever men saw the very same star, the star that God had put in the sky when Jesus was born. They knew it was a sign. A baby king had been born. They had been waiting for this star. They knew it would come. He's here, they shouted. He's here. At dawn, they packed up their camels and wrapped gifts for the baby. They brought their most precious treasures of all, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Special, sparkly, lovely-smelling, gleaming things just right for a king. The three wise men then set off. They rode their camels across endless deserts, up steep, steep mountains, into deep, deep valleys, through raging rivers, over grassy plains, night and day and day and night, for hours that turned into days, that turned into weeks, that turned into months and months. The wise men take a costly journey. And they expect at the end of that journey to meet a king in Jerusalem, the place where kings live, but they don't. So their journey goes on. Again, here's the Jesus storybook translation. Jerusalem was by far the most important city for miles around, and as anyone could tell you, this is the place where a palace would be, and kings are born in palaces. So that's where they went. But they were in for a surprise. They went to see King Herod. Surely he'd know where the baby was. But he didn't. In fact, he didn't want anyone to be king except for him. But Herod's advisors told the three wise men what was written in their books, what God had said about the baby king. Go to Bethlehem. That's where you'll find him. Suddenly the star they had seen in the east started moving again, showing them the way. So the three wise men followed the star out of the big city, along the road, into the little town of Bethlehem. They followed the star through the streets of Bethlehem, out of the nice part of town, through the not-so-nice part of town, into the really not-so-nice-at-all part of town, down a little dirt track until it stopped right over a little house. But wait... It wasn't a palace, and there weren't any guards or servants or flags or red carpets or trumpets or anything. Did they get it wrong, or is this what God meant? Sure enough, in that little house, there, sitting on his mother's knee, they found him, the baby king. The three men knelt before the little king. They took off their rich royal turbans and gleaming golden crowns. They bowed their noble heads to the ground and gave him their sparkling treasures. The journey that had begun so many centuries before had led the three wise men here to a little town, to a little house, to a little child. But this child was a new kind of king. Though he was the prince of heaven, he had become poor. Though he was the mighty God, he had become a helpless baby. This king hadn't come to be the boss. He had come to be a servant. 
in our 175-year journey as a church, and in our own personal journeys too, God doesn't always come to us in the way we would expect him to. God's faithfulness doesn't always match our expectations. In the wilderness, God gave his people manna to eat. And as they ingest the thin wafers of bread, they think, what is this? The wise men track Jesus, the baby king's star, and it leads them to a dilapidated shack in the really not-so-nice-at-all part of town. And they're left sort of scratching their heads. But they go in anyway. A piece of timber catches fire and the entire church burns down six and a half hours before 10 a.m. worship. And God puts it on the pastor's heart to preach from Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and of good courage. Life is uncertain. The unexpected happens. Unforeseen challenges arise. Pastors leave their beloved congregations. But friends, take heart. It may not always match your expectations, but God will give you what you need when you need it. Because the story of our church's journey and the story of each of our own stories is God was, God is, and God will be faithful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.